Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Fidelity Bank, Resource Management LLC, Luba Workers Comp, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In 2012, we met a guy called Paco. Paco came on our show and talked about a business he'd co-founded. It was a kind of pop-up supper club. People paid to join. Then they got invited to last-minute dinners cooked by emerging chefs in temporary locations like empty warehouses. Now, the business was called Dinner Lab. Lab because it was an experiment. Today, the experiment is a success. Dinner Lab is in 30 cities across America. It's talked about in publications from Forbes to the Wall Street Journal. It's attracted millions of dollars from investors, and its chief operating officer, Paco Robert, barely has time to eat lunch anymore. But he's here anyway. Paco, welcome back to Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. The connection between New Orleans and dining is pretty obvious, but apart from the Saints and Pelicans, the connection between the city and sports is a little less so. Uh, meet Jason Navarro. Uh, for 10 years, Jason played baseball for the New York Mets and the St. Louis Cardinals before settling in Destrahan and launching 4D supplements. 4D is a unique workout supplement and a post-workout recovery drink for athletes. Uh, Jason, uh, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. Now, Paco, in the entrepreneur world, uh, one of the buzzwords we hear a lot is scale, which basically means investors want to know how your idea can grow big enough to make everybody a lot of money. The scaling of Dinner Lab has been nothing short of phenomenal. Every entrepreneur in New Orleans wants to know the answer to this question. How'd you do it? And how did you grow from just New Orleans to 30 cities in three years? And now that you've made it, what's it like running a business in 30 places at once? A logistical nightmare, to say the least. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, we've, I think part has been due to the initial systems and structures that we put in place at the, at the early onset. Apart from that, building a good team, um, the people who we have now, um, the original team is mostly with us today, and that's allowed us to really take the concept from city to city, and that's probably been the number one we reason why we succeeded in and, scaling the business. And of course, one thing people should know is that, you know, you didn't just come into this. I mean, you, uh, you, you have an MBA from Tulane, you're from the CIA, the, the other CIA, the Culinary Institute. Um, for all I know, you're actually with the other CIA. We have, we have no <laughs> idea. But, uh, and then you were, you started a restaurant in Vietnam, you did restaurant consulting. So uh, you had the background to create the scalability. Mm -hmm. I, After Tulane, I worked for a consulting firm and a lot of it was operational in need. Um, so that kind of gave me a nice baseline um, to go by and definitely uh, having a good group of investors and a good uh, advisory board uh, really helped us think through that scalability and what was going to be the pitfalls and what was going to be uh, really take us to where we are today. Let me just touch on what you brought up. Uh, good investors and an advisory board. A good investor to you is someone with uh, some patience. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, institutional knowledge of having, you know, money is one thing, but uh, what really 
makes a good investor is a them taking the time in you uh, and the business and also really kind of believing in what you're doing so they i think the initial investors were investing in us and not necessarily the business itself um, knowing that we could navigate those waters and taking the chance that we could actually navigate those waters and, and, and really giving us kind of room to experiment um, and bounce around, bounce around, throw some stuff at the wall, see what sticks, because um, that's what kind of led us to really hone in on a really good concept. And we've had a number of guests here that mentioned some sort of advisory board, uh, and it seems to work, even though you know it's, it's kind of your show and all that. What do you get out of that? How does somebody put together a good advisory board? Before we needed to go out and get some capital, we really wanted essentially mentorship in the different areas that we were weak in. Um, I had a good culinary background, but from scaling a business to what it is today, I had never really done that before. Uh, so really finding people that would take the time to you know, invest essentially, whether it's, you know, a phone call a week, um, essentially, you know, you have an operational plan, tossing it out to them, having them critique it um, before going out to raise some money, giving them your pitch deck and have a, having them pepper you with questions and essentially scratching it to pieces. Um, that's, that's really what, um, that's, that's the, best, the best thing that they're there for. Created a bunch of bosses for yourself. Exactly. That's how they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, Jason, when you walk into a, a GNC or a vitamin shop, you're overwhelmed with the choices of uh, workout supplements, which is how I guess you came up with the idea for 4D out of your own frustration at being able to find a single product that works the way athletes need it to. Uh, many athletes, I'm sure, have the same frustration, but very few of them would have had the ability to research the contents of supplements, formulate new chemical combinations, and then launch that formula as a brand new entrepreneurial business. What gave you the know-how and the confidence to jump into this and take on the existing massive supplement industry? I think, you know, scientists would call it applied science. But for me as an athlete, when I was really around 15 years old, playing three sports in high school, I started getting into nutrition, knowing my body more. Um, going on a scholarship to Tulane actually for football. Oh, wow. I was a tight end and a pitcher going back and forth for two to three seasons there and then going into pro baseball. So all of that, I mean, I had lived it and it's not just the supplement side. It is the nutrition, you know, the proteins, the vegetables, all those types of things for recovery. But I think, you know, after putting 15 to 17 years in of, of living it day to day, um, and not knocking doctors and other people, but you know, uh, being an athlete, you have to know your body. I mean, you know when you didn't take in enough water the, la the day before. You know if, if the vitamin you know, content and what you're having. Sometimes it's tough when you're traveling. You know, you do need supplements because hey, you know, when you get in from a game and it's 11 o'clock, regardless of where you're at, you know, pizza's the only thing open. So it's you know, you can't. You sometimes you just don't have those options. And for me, traveling and taking joint care, multivitamin, amino acids, summer liquids, summer buckets, you know, all of that's hard to travel with. And you, even if you have the money, you can't go to GNC every four days on road trips and say, hey, I'm going to buy the whole gamut in here. So to simplify it, to make it effective, and then to be honest, everything that's in our product is tried and true. I'm going to be honest, it's been around for pro pretty much a long time, decades. Well, now, what about, um, why is it called 4D? It's really the four dimensions of our health. It's our central nervous system, it's our large skeletal muscles, it's our connective tissues, joints, ligaments, and then it's really our cardiovascular and internal health. 
and something I felt one product, all four dimensions, should enhance. Now, the one thing I can think of is that, uh, I mean, there's probably lots of reasons people would use this, but uh, these athletes travel all the time. I'm not just talking about athletes like you. I'm talking like 15-year-old kids on a travel team. This must just plain flat out make it easier. True, true. The tra and then the packs, you know, they're individual stick packs. I found buckets and scoops are hard to travel with and hard to, to put into a water bottle. You know, not everybody can take shaker bottles everywhere. Right. Liquids have a shelf life. You got to keep them cold when you're traveling in buses and whatnot. It's not realistic, especially in the summer months. And honestly, pills are harder to, to digest and less absorbable. So I found like the powder in a pack form. You got five day road trip, five packs and you're done. <laughs> hey, I have to ask you a question that I just wanted to ask uh, somebody in your position. Why are athletes seemingly falling apart faster than they did, particularly pitchers? Um, you know, I don't remember all these Tommy John surgeries and all. Is this something where they're not taking care of themselves? Is it kind of tied into what you're doing? Uh, some of it is a little bit of the game evolving. You know, 60s and 70s, it, you know, and I had coaches that were literally 10-year vets, you know, when I was pitching, saying, you can't throw your curveball to a corner. You just got to throw it for a strike. And back, in, back then, it was fastballs. The strike zone was bigger. Now you've got guys throwing split fingers, sliders, the workload. That is a difference on the, the amount of different pitches a, a guy can do. But then some of it is, I think, attributed to too many teams, young kids with three or four different travel teams. They want to pitch all the time, all year. And I think, to be honest, and I'm not knocking, again, some of the doctors and some of the PTs out there, but I treated myself as a football player, even though I was a pitcher, and I didn't shy away from weights, especially upper body. There was this big notion that oh, a pitcher, pitcher shouldn't, shouldn't do lift. any weights, didn't do any backs, any chest, any arms. And I've I still train baseball players, too, because I love it. And it's just weekend stuff. But I see kids that don't work out, like a 15-, 16-year-old in high school or pitcher only, they call it now. And they're just they have bad posture, shoulders look weak. Um, and then you see a football player who also plays baseball, who is forced to do that lifting, and they're just stronger. They have less injuries. They just, it's simply a matter of training yourself not to be weak, I believe. And Parker, you've got good posture to work out? Barely any. Soccer, <laughs> so soccer once a week. Okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Parker, let me ask you about the nuts and bolts of how they uh, rolled out uh, Dinner Lab. It looks to me, and I'm a big fan, I love going, is, uh, it looks very difficult because you've got um, kind of temporary staff, you've got all these things that would seemingly make it more complicated. How did you roll it out? So I compare our operations similar to like Southwest Airlines. The planes are all the same, so the mechanics of the plane and fixing the plane are all the same, and then you're injecting the plane with different passengers and a different pilot and different crew every time. So our operation in each city is exactly a mirror image of each other city. It's exactly the same thing and we're injecting diversity by adding a new chef, by adding some staffing and then there's procedures in place, manuals and things like that that we can be, we're able to train the staff very well but it's, they're doing exactly the same things just the food is, is very different. And somehow you've done it in a way that doesn't feel that way because it seems like a, a unique experience each time you, you walk in. You have no idea what you're going to see. Yeah, the, the staff that we work with is, you know, the chef is a professionally trained chef for the most part. Um, so he knows what he's doing, or should be. The right. lab piece comes into play every once in a while. <laughs> um, and the front of the house staff is usually kind of staff that has part-time gigs with us uh, that also work in the industry as well. So we're not dealing with novices at all. Um, so it's just our format's a little different, and kind of explaining that at the beginning and showing them what's different um, is what kind of leads us to success. 
And you know, my, my wife and I, one of the things we really like about it is that uh, we meet very interesting people because it's kind of community seating and such. Uh, who is the market? Uh, I was kind of surprised when I walked in there. So the market, I would, you know, the average age is, you know, if we look at our statistics is around like 34 to 35, depending on the city. But what you usually see is you see the young professional crowd and then you see the empty nesters. Um, and that combination brings that average to 34. But the young professionals who kind of want to be out there and visit new people and then those uh, Older folks who have kids have just left out and are used to hanging out with the same people at home now come back to kind of get a little bit wow. of a different social life. That is, and uh, at least at our tables, everybody's gotten along. So uh, yeah, usually no fights break out. Yes, sir. I didn't see any big <laughs> bouncers at the door or anything, anything like that. The uh, um, are you constantly traveling? I travel about two weeks out of the month. So especially now. We were, the same time last year, we were in five different cities. So this year we've expanded to 25 more. So I've been on the road a good amount. But luckily I have a team that does a lot of the traveling for us. Now, Paco, I just know enough about business to know that if you had an Applebee's and you laid out 25 new ones, I could see how that would be relatively easy. Yours just, I know you gave the Southwest example, but that seems like a lot of moving parts. Just Yes, um, <laughs> but we... We scale very lean, so when we first open up a market, you know, it's not like Applebee's where from day one you open your doors and you have a million customers coming in. We kind of try to bubble up um, from the surface, um, network with the local uh, market that we're in, you know, network with the chefs, get good staff, and then grow the market organically and not just ramp up our doors from day one. And nobody's ever mentioned Dinner Lab and Applebee's in the same sentence before. I've Nobody <laughs> has. Apologize. That, that, was, uh, <laughs> that was the part I was going to ask you about. The, um, uh, Jason, if, if, where do you go now? First of all, where can I find your product now, and where will I find it five years from now? Where? Well, hopefully in the long run, everywhere. But when we first launched, we focused on the gyms, you know, right now. So you could find us in a lot of Anytime Fitness, Elmwood Fitness Centers we've been in for a few years, many sm Smoothie Kings in the, in the New Orleans area and out there. Um, and we, we've really been working on Sam's Club. Believe it or not, you know, it was a scenario a year and a half ago where we got the door opened up and we... We're put into what they call a roadshow status, where you go into a particular store, demo for five days, sell, and then pick up and move on. We really hit it hard last year. It was tough. It was a lot of travel. Was that you physically going? Physically, but also went out and started building reps. It was not something that I really knew how to do or that I could do. But as I was in Sam's and as I started meeting people walking through saying, hey, I would love to do this too. You know, and then you just started, I ended up starting training them growing and the awareness grew and it's grown a lot so i'm going up to bentonville to ask our buyer for a lot of stores put it that way on the floor with sam's we do have an in now with walmart because you know they're big brother little brother so locally we can start sampling in the walmarts and then i would hope from there as we show a growth keep on moving on but can you I, still be can you be in a sam's and still be in a traditional retail environment oh yeah you okay. well you can be in sam's and be anywhere else typically walmart and sam's are going to want the best right. price but, you know, the reality is with a retail product, there's so many locations, convenience stores, Walgreens, CVS's, grocery stores, everywhere out there that 
it's it really is the sky's the limit. On well, that. I heard, Jason, the very beginning <laughs> you were making these in your kitchen sink, but I assume you're not still doing that. Where, no, huh? no, we're manufactured in Long Island. It's a GMP NSF certified lab. And what does that um, mean again? That's uh, so CGMP means just good manufacturing practices. Oh. They are audited three to four times every year. The, you know, the, they'll walk in and just check on the lab, making sure everything's done correctly. We also send our product to uh, what you call BSCG. That is a third-party lab which tests for banned substances. So um, an athlete, a pro, pro all the way down knows that our product or a product with that label uh, isn't going to risk them getting busted on any type of test for NFL, MLB, any, any of the like. And um, that's kind of one of the things that <clears throat> I think with the supplements and all the, you know, bad press, good press, you know, you, you do have to go out there and see what products do take those measures to make sure that they're, what you're ingesting is safe. Because essentially this isn't, it's not a pair of socks or a flashy t-shirt. <laughs> I mean, you're putting it in your body and we're wanting people to trust us that it's going to work and be healthy. I know you don't have steroids in it because <clears throat> you don't have that, like the giant head like Barry Bonds Definitely does. not. My, a... my, my cranium is the same size. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good sign. There's a... <clears throat> Paco, Jason, I want to take a minute to introduce you to Emily Chatelaine. Now, we met Emily through a previous guest, Frank Skurlock, who specializes in the business of family fun. Uh, Frank is impressed with Emily's entrepreneurial idea called Bibbidi Bobbidi Bash. I'm going to give Emily one minute to tell you about it. Then I'm going to give you each a chance to ask Emily one question, a, a question that you think she'll be able to need to answer to move her business forward. Uh, Emily, give us your one-minute pitch. Okay, um, Bibbidi Bobbidi Bash is in the business of making classic stories come to life. We offer princess character performances for birthdays, special events, and holidays, in addition to making appearances at local venues. So more and more, we're seeing our favorite fairy tales being visited and revisited, and character performances at special events are in really high demand. Bibbidi Bobbidi Bash exists to meet that demand and to render the most engaging and memorable character experience. We are professional performers with training in theater and production. All of our characters are outfitted in stunning costumes designed by Bibbidi Bobbidi Bash, handmade and custom fit to each performer to ensure a authentic character experience. It's engaging entertainment designed to ignite the imagination through storytelling and performance. And you can visit us online at www.bibobash.com and on Facebook at www.facebook slash bash. Would you not only just do that in New Orleans, but outside of this area too? Right, so um, right now, since we're so small, it's just me and I would probably only trust my business with uh, my close friends because we've all, we're all kind of in the theater circuit together. Um, and I know, I've seen them perform, I know what their strengths and their weaknesses are, I know what kind of characters they can play. So I, I would probably uh, tap into that. As far as growing it larger and, and finding other performers, I would definitely have to use um, just standard audition uh, procedures, which I have a good bit of experience with. My question is, I think experimentation when you are first starting a business is crucial um, and staying nimble. What, uh, what things are you going to incorporate to kind of inject that diversity and inject that experimentation into the original ideas that you're coming up with? I hope to add fun things like 
bringing a costume trunk um, of costumes that I'll make, probably little tutus and capes and things, and seeing how people respond to that, maybe teaching party guests if they're you know young, mostly young girls, probably you know a dance or something. Um, I hope to do maybe craft theme parties where I bring in supplies and have them all um, make little things. So mostly people are going for the, the more standard just visit packages right now. So I'll be interested to see when I put those more inclusive packages up kind of how people respond to them. <laughs> Emily, thank you so much for, for coming by today. We're, we'll look forward to following your progress with Bibbidi Bobbidi Bash, which I will <laughs> continue to think of during the entire rest of the day. They, uh, <laughs> we're going to stick around a little bit longer after the show and talk some more about Bibbidi Bobbidi Bash, and you'll be able to hear the rest of our conversation with Emily uh, Chatelaine on our website, itsneworleans.com. Uh, Paco Robert, Jason Navarro, you're at opposite ends of the ingestion spectrum from relaxed dinners and exotic locations to sports supplements at the gym. But you're both carving out nationwide markets from right here in New Orleans. I'm looking forward to keeping up with both of you, and I hope to have you back soon with more tales from the worlds of dining out and working out. Thank you both for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Thank, Thank you. you very much. That's great guest. The, uh, my guests on Out to Lunch today have been Paco Robert, co-founder and chief operating officer of Dinner Lab, and Jason Navarro, founder and formulator of 4D Supplements. You can find out more about Dinner Lab, which does not actually come from a laboratory, and 4D Supplements, which does, by following the links on our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday, with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle. The gluten-free Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get this show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. And you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's neworleans.com and wwno.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from Baton Rouge-based PreSonus Audio Electronics. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Fidelity Bank, Resource Management, LLC, Luba Workers' Comp, and 30 North Investments. Thank you.